Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 119. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Uh, what in tarnation? Oh god. And uh, Jordan. Jared, so glad to have you back on the show. And let me just say <laughs> that uh, I'm also really glad that we've had such great guests on this show, including, you know, the voice actor behind characters like Tuquai Togan on Easy Allies Box Peak, Episode 3. Check it out if you haven't already. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I love Box Peak. It's really good. Um, so let's talk about what we're going to be playing, or what we have been playing, rather. Um, played some more Magic the Gathering Arena, nothing surprising there. I've put in a bunch of time into Red Dead Redemption 2. Obviously, last week I finished the Spidey yeah. DLC, uh, yeah. which we finally have released here for Turf Wars, the second part. comes out November 20th, so I'm excited for that. Um... But yeah, since I have AC Odyssey out of the way, I'll eventually get back to it. But for the time being, been playing Red Dead. I think I'm about 30 hours in. Uh, the 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 way you can tell how many hours you're in on Xbox is because of the achievement system on the back end, where you can compare achievements with other friends. It actually tracks your play time. So even though Rockstar didn't put Nifty. that in the game, you can actually see how much time you've played for, which is really dope. Um, the game says I'm like 30 some percent in. I'm doing the thing where. I do a lot of the side missions and the Strangers and Freaks missions and then moving on to the main missions. Um, it's a great game. I really, really enjoy it, but I do have a, a more gripes than I thought I would have with it. So I'll get those yeah. out of the way, air some grievances. One, um, though I'm not having trouble with the game necessarily with controls, I will say it, it does a poor job at actually teaching players controls. It tells you controls, but it doesn't teach you, if that makes sense. Um... And I think that's just been a problem with the last couple of Rockstar games. GTA had that problem as well. Um, they have a tendency to tell you the controls, but they don't do a very good job at putting things in place to teach them to you. They tell them to you. Um, yeah, I just have felt through the whole game they haven't done a really good job at that. Um, the second thing, this is probably the most broken game I've played all year. Um, I've I've had about six or seven missions where... Uh, something happens in the game world that impedes my progress where like a character who's in a scripted like animation like riding a horse somewhere just stops or something happens where I can't progress the mission so I have to restart the entire mission um, I've had my Xbox go to the home menu like three or four times um, wow. so like quitting out of the game um, yeah it's the most it's broken so game it's so weird how, how, how certain people have those issues I was listening to Greg and Tim on the Kind of Funny Games cast, and they were even playing on the same console, both PS4 Pro for the Spidey DLC. Tim had lots of issues. Greg didn't have any. I didn't have any with that DLC. And then now here with Red Dead, I, on PS4 Pro, haven't had issues, but you've had a ton on Xbox One. It's weird how that shit works, man. And it can, and like I said, you can have the same console and really have just a very different experience it's almost the luck of the well, draw, kind of. I do, I do think the base consoles are more prone to it, though, just because... Absolutely. So I, I have a bunch of friends who also own base Xboxes, and they're experiencing all the issues as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they've, they've had the game freeze on them or have issues. <clears throat> that being said, the game is fantastic. I'm loving it. I kind of want to refrain from actual story stuff. But in terms of like sure. the side missions and Strangers and Freaks, there's a lot of variety mm -hmm. there. There's some really cool characters. I kind of even don't want to mention them, Jordan or Dom, because I don't want to ruin them for you guys. Sure, definitely. Yeah. I don't want to kill all of you people, Dutch. Um, Just you. But I Are will you enjoying the story, Jared? 
Uh, yeah, the main the main narrative is really good uh, for me. I think it's it does a thing that obviously I didn't beat Witcher three, but I played a hefty amount of it. It does the side questing really good, where you're invested in these characters and you actually want to see through these side missions, and they're just not sure. like busy work. Um, yeah, I will say the the fishing is fantastic. It's like one of the best fishing games I've ever played. It's one of the best hunting games I've ever played. Uh, just in those respective things, like you obviously didn't play Big Bucks Hunter. 2002 at the local arcade in Michigan. <laughs> Funny enough, I would get those games almost every year with like Madden and stuff. I would always get the new Cabela's Hunter Jared's games. like, I'm yearly Cabela. Yeah, I was going to say. Which is funny because like I live in a household that isn't like anti-hunting, but we're it's just not that type of family. You know what I mean? But the places I live, especially from the hometown I'm from, is very much like a hunting town um, with people who love going and doing that and drawing deer and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm loving the game. It's hard because I, like I said, I don't want to spoil stuff, so I don't want to when we're all, or, you know, when we're playing the game, we'll definitely get into the narrative and stuff like that, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, camp members, I want to say Sadie and Charles are probably my favorite so far. Jordan, I'm in yeah, chapter Charles. three. I don't know how far you are in. Yeah, I think we're right around the same spot. Yeah. From what you've mentioned thus far. Yeah, so Sadie is really cool. I like how she gets involved, and she's... She definitely is a twist on the type of character you'd expect to see in a Western game. Charles is like, you know, he's a Native American, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on with him. Like, um, there's a mission early on where you have to deal with uh, Buffalo and how that whole thing shook up in the American Southwest. Obviously, if you know your history, you know what happened there. So there's some really interesting tidbits there. Um, I definitely think this is the best uh, non-cutscene, non like like super important dialogue just anytime there's stuff on the side or it's just you know like chatter this is the best game i think i've ever played as far as that stuff goes yeah it's side really chatter. good the one another complaint i have um is that the horse like you riding your horse i think is worse in this game than like ac odyssey which i just re recently played and let me finish my statement real quick so animation wise and like actually riding the horse is unlike any other game right that's like top tier the problem I have with it is the mechanics in the terms of the way the horse interacts with the environment is, like, too overly realistic to some extent. Like, you'll trip over a rock and your horse will tumble down and you'll fly off your horse. Um, uh, there was, as realistic as this game is supposed to be, there was a point where I got off my horse near a rail, a rail track and I was walking to go do something and the horse just started moseying around and it moseyed over the train track and got hit by a train and died. Yeah. So that was weird. You gotta, like hitch him up. And, yeah, you got to keep him away from predator. It's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, if if you're if you're designing a game where the horse gets scared of animals and stuff when you're near them and bucks, you would think that a loud train would also do that same thing. You know, these sound like the oh, ramblings definitely. of a negligent pet owner, Jared. It's not a pet. <laughs> um, a horse is a pet, right? Well, I, I think for, for these guys, they don't treat them as pets. They treat them as tools, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, I've been thinking a lot. That this You just pinpointed this exact subject I've been thinking a lot about, Jared, playing this game, which is, and I'm sure there's some fancy ludonarrative dissonance-esque term for this thing in gaming, but this line that uh, is kind of an unspoken thing in game development, and I really don't hear people talking about it much, but the line between realism and I wouldn't say necessarily fantasy. I don't, you know, a lot of people say 
talk about games being escapism. That's not necessarily why I play uh, video games. Um, but anyways, I think that uh, this line between how realistic do you want to make something like you don't, you really don't want to be doing this guy's taxes, Arthur Morgan. You know, you don't want to be having to like balance his fucking checkbook or whatever. I mean, he's an outlaw, right? Back then. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, you shave his beard, you got to keep his beard clean, you got to keep him clean, the horse clean, and so I think I'm excited to see the conversations in the years to come that are brought about from this game, uh, because Rockstar has really played with that line as far as, like, do you want to have to mess with all this stuff? A lot of people are going to be like Jared and say, fuck no, and there's definitely stuff in the game that I'm personally like, alright, I think this is a little too much. The, you know, I do hate having to worry, uh, like, way more than I did during The Witcher 3 about how big of a little bump my horse is going to yeah, go exactly. over if he's going to yeah. break his fucking ankle or whatever. There's plenty of stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, there's stuff that draws me further into the world because I feel like it's so well done and it is realistic. Um, another thing, another term that uh, mixes into this conversation is hyper-realism which a lot of games are. This game, for example, is a perfect uh, visual example of that because when you look at it, it's not supposed to look exactly real, but it is supposed to look photorealistic in many ways. So it's, it's really hyper-realism at the end of the day. And uh, you know, plenty of other games like that, Metal Gear Solid Five or even The Witcher 3, though it takes place in fantasy setting. Um, and so it all, like I said, draws into playing with this line and um yeah i definitely agree with jared that you know they didn't always nail it as far as this game goes and i'm just glad like i said to see that conversation being brought up and we'll see how other games handle it in the future yeah and it's actually it's tough for me because so i we we talked about spider-man and obviously i had gripes with that game too it wasn't perfect but to me that game was also an open world game but it was tighter than red dead um obviously because it wasn't going towards the same scope absolutely and I think in a lot of ways that benefited Spider-Man, and I think that yeah. that caused it to not have as many, and I hate to say issues, it's just like when you're Rockstar and you're trying to do all of these things that are possibly hyper-realistic or changing the way you interpret game mechanics, you're going to have some things right. that don't click with people or seem too much. Like one of the things that I wouldn't say is an issue, it's just a nuisance, is so in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, to run with a horse, you just push forward. And we actually had the conversation, Jordan, of like, well, yeah, there's only one speed. The thing yeah. is, I'll take that one speed on the horse over constantly having to mash A. And people are like, oh, well, yep. use the cinematic camera. You know what I mean? And I've had times yeah. where I'm using the cinematic mode and my horse runs into another horse that's on the trail and falls over and collapses yeah. and I fall. So it's like, that's not a solution then. You know what I mean? Well, and he's, he's really not at full speed if you're in cinematic exactly. mode. Exactly, so like, yeah. You're like 75% at best. So, yeah, there's lots of uh, things like this, and I don't think that there's proper excuses like cinematic mode or whatever. Um, you know, they take the animation for skinning an animal is a little bit longer than something like Far Cry or Assassin's Creed, for example, but... I love it personally. Not, <laughs> yeah, but it's still not as long as... I don't have a problem with it, but it's still not as long as actually skinning a fucking animal would take, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Because you don't want to sit there and do that. And so this line that I'm talking about goes off in all different tiny little directions, and Spider-Man definitely kept back from that line in the sense that 
I really like how, yeah, it's realistic. Peter has to do things other than being Spider-Man. He has to get over to his internship job thing with Otto Octavius. And you're, you're also Spider-Man actually... in that game. so <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's, yeah, there's, that's a whole other conversation because, yeah, you are in a fantasy setting, but there's still levels of realism because they are human beings, you know, it's not like an alien world or whatever. It is science Anyways. fiction, at least, right? Yeah. Sure. Not full yeah. fantasy. Isn't it either. weird? I No, no, no. Actually, that's a good point, Dom, because I think about this often. Like, really? Most comic books are science fiction, if you think about it. Like, yeah. even if it's not Guardians of the fucking Galaxy. Like, Spider-Man is a sci-fi fucking comic because mm-hmm. a radioactive spider that got worked on in a science lab bit him. You know, like... But anyways. Um, there's still that level of realism. You're still putting your hands on the telescope. You're still figuring out these puzzles. But it isn't beating you over the head with it. Um, although it is making you really stop and smell that air in between uh, main story missions and uh, the DLC especially. But yeah, it's, you know, that's that point I just made. It's, it's all, every game has this, especially if it's not, you know, fucking Tetris or Valkyria Chronicles that I'm playing. Like, if it is kind of trying to be in the realm of realism, hyper or otherwise, it's going to have to deal with these things and it's not an easy line to play with. Well, so, and I think it's interesting because, so, God of War and Spider-Man, I think, are games that, as we're nearing this generation, they take everything we've learned and know and, like, kind of try to perfect it, right? They work in the the constraints of what they know they can turn up to 11. Whereas, I think Red sure. Dead is going, like, okay, we're at the end of the generation, let's push it to its limits. And I think that's where you... It's like an experimental s- album, you know? Yeah. It's and your I think favorite that's- band, but it's them kind of fucking around in the studio. And I think that's, like, the difference in all... I think all three of those games could easily be Game of the Year. I think there's a solid argument for all three yeah. of them. I, mean, I haven't even yeah. played God of War, but I understand the excellence of that game, and I can't wait to actually play it to have my own opinion on it. But I think they handle this point in the generation differently. And like I said, Red Dead Redemption 2 may end up being my Game of the Year. I mean, the, the problems it has doesn't... They don't outweigh, like, all the amazing nuances in this game and the characters. Yeah. The one thing I will say, I think the facial animations aren't as good as I wanted them to be and i'm not saying they're bad necessarily but like spider-man for me was surprising with how good the facial animations were in that game i don't think anybody expected their facial animations to be that good so like going from that where it's like obviously a smaller game in terms of scope and then going to red dead it's like okay well that's one of the sacrifices they made is they didn't spend as much time on facial animations but like this world and the amount of creatures when you play this game dom it is insane how realistic these environments feel and it's not just like oh, there's different amount like different amounts of shrubbery and all this stuff. It feels yep. alive. It is insane. That terrain. I talked about that terrain. Yeah, it is great. I that's everything I've played. Uh, I don't want to go too long. I want to hear what you guys have been playing so we can get through the podcast. Uh, Dom, I, I assumed you hadn't played Red Dead yet. Is that still the case? Yes. Let me okay. tell you what I have played though. You guys. You guys. You guys. God of War two on the PlayStation <clears throat> two. God of War three. I did wrap that up. Is a good. Is cool. a good. It's a good to great game. It's, it was fun. It was a cool game, but but what I'm getting excited about, and a little you know twitchy and, and you know agitated about, is Hyper Light Drifter. Oh, you Talk dove about in it a little. Yeah, I went in, went in head first, waist deep, but you know with my legs in the air. So <laughs> yeah, that, you can picture that. This is sure. this is an excellent game. Um, I can't even like control my. This is a great game. Uh, the I I knew the music was really good from the little bit of gameplay I watched before getting it, and it's even piece? better. It's even better when you're playing the game. It, I, it's hard to explain. 
but yeah disaster piece whatever they are band or composers i don't know but it's cool man it's fantastic electronic producer yeah yeah and so jared i don't i know jordan played it but jared i don't know if you're have any familiarity with it but what this does and i can tell what it's doing and for most people probably a lot of people they're gonna start it and then you know after an hour be like well screw this i'm done this is stupid because it does exactly what you know dark souls and bloodborne do when you first start which is you're completely you know without much direction and it's extremely difficult and you know you don't necessarily know what resources do what and even more so in this case because there's no words there's just pictures there's no like dialogue or anything it's just you go to an npc and he just shows you pictures like you go to a shopkeeper and it's like oh you want this then like you need to bring me like these three yellow squares and you're like well what the hell are those it's really bizarre way of communicating it's very esoteric in the way that it, yeah, the characters communicate and the way the game communicates to you, even way more so than the uh, kind of Souls format. And I was yeah. just going to say real quick to point on your, uh, you know, you bring it up Bloodborne and, and Dark Souls. I think, you know, people talk a lot about Souls clones with, you know, Salt and Sanctuary, what have you. I think that this is the closest thing to like a top down Bloodborne clone. Yeah, um, and it is. Um, I don't think that they nail it on every front, but it's still a really solid, great game that I, you know, would highly recommend to anybody who's into that format. Yeah, so far there's there's something a little off on the controls. Maybe it's it's a switch problem, but there's something where like the left analog stick and the and the uh, the dash button just don't always do exactly what I think. It it just doesn't feel you, man, that quite rhythm, refined. It just never, yeah, it just never yeah. felt right. That rhythm. Just something a little like, off. But The way it's kind of almost like, Jared, you were talking about with having to constantly uh, be, you know, digging your spurs into your horse in Red Dead. It's like, it just never quite, it's a little clunky, you know. It's never yeah. smooth. But what this, what I can tell it's doing, and I haven't even hit that point, so the, the point when I everyone first plays dark souls or they first play bloodborne and like you know that first like few hours where like you're just getting your ass kicked and you're just like discouraged <clears throat> i can tell that's what's happening to me right now that's what this game is doing um yeah i don't care if that's on original or not it's fantastic but i can tell like as soon as i get this like that first upgrade you know beat that first boss that like you're gonna get rewarded in in, in a certain way and it, the gameplay is gonna unlock a little bit more i can just feel it coming um but yeah, that, that that's what it does. It, I think is most like Bloodborne, aside from like just the difficulty in and of itself, um, you know, and the controls and the way you dash. But it's it's different than like a like a Cuphead, which is just pretty much difficult all the way through. Um, you get better at it, but there's not like that initial like first hump that you cross, and then you feel great the rest of the way, even though it's still difficult. But yeah, so so far Hyperlight Drifter is awesome. The last thing, the art style is unbelievably cool. If you've seen like oh, a picture yeah. of the game, you <laughs> yeah. can see yep. that. Yeah, and that's only it. Only gets cooler as you're playing through. But, well, yeah. yeah, that's the crazy thing is like you know a game. When you talk about how great a game is, it's not just like one piece of it. And I think with Hyperlight Drifter, the music is so excellent and the aesthetic is mm. so excellent that the gameplay, though it doesn't necessarily hit all cylinders like you guys said, just being that close to being like really good makes it a great game because all of its parts, you know, lift it up. Uh, I'm interested to play. I don't know how like how soon I'll get to it, but it definitely is on my list of games I need to pick up. And like your endorsement on it after Jordan's endorsement when he played it, it's definitely like staying on that list of games I need to get to. Yeah, and I mean it's you like guys... it's, it's like twenty bucks. So like look for a sale or, or yeah. on like Xbox Live Gold 
you know, free gamer mm-hmm. type of thing maybe one day. Yeah. I was going to say, you guys know how much I, for some reason, love buying games a second time on the Switch. And <laughs> if I had really fallen in love with the gameplay of this game, which is the only part that I'm not totally head over heels for, then I definitely would be playing this on Switch. Yeah. It would, well, I'm sure it's fucking awesome on Switch. I don't think <clears throat> what you're talking about earlier is a Switch control problem. As you know, I've, I'm plenty quick to judge the control uh control problems on switch but i think this is actually the gameplay what you're talking about though because you played it on ps4 right jordan yes i did and you still had that weird issue where it just didn't sync i think i might have bounced back and forth between vita i think it's cross by cross save but the big thing is it wasn't on switch so you still had the weirdness with the controls and it wasn't exclusive to switch before switch was ever a twinkle in reggie fee's eye. yeah it's like the gameplay is fantastic, but it's just something about the analog stick. And maybe it, if Jordan is saying the same kind of thing, like it's just not quite as precise as I feel like it should be. Yeah, it's hard to explain until like you go to dash onto like an island over a gap or something, and like he just went a little bit more to the left than you thought he was gonna, based on where you pushed the fucking stick. Yeah, it's just the tiniest bit too, like the tiniest lack of calibration. And, and that's all it is, having, but it's enough to notice. Are you having a decent time chaining your dashes together? Is that an issue at all for you? No, um, I haven't gotten the the ability to like chain them to quicker. Them. I know that's a thing because I've seen like someone playing but and they like can't throw do them multiple at this point. You can't yeah, there's one. just a, a pause, a short like a half a second pause between each one, but it feels yeah. like an hour. So it's I know weird, that. man. It's not. It's not just like X X X X. It's like X X X X. It's kind of like a roller coaster ramping type uh, momentum, okay, rhythm thing. I okay. Uh, I gotta figure that out. I never could quite get the hang of it, man. I never could. Mm. Yeah. It, so far, it's it's fantastic. I'm gonna keep playing it. So. I'm cool. It's cool. You be God of War three. So you got that out of the way, and now you're <laughs> yeah going through hyperlight. I yeah. I'm, I I really hope you you pick up Red Dead not necessarily like soon soon but God this game is crazy man like it it's, I know I, I gotta do it I got, yeah real quick Dom on God of War three was there anything that uh, was illuminated for you about the God of War four story that you were like oh now I get this thing no I mean there's a big thing like on Kratos's body at the end of the game no that I missed what was Jared it? do you care. Well, uh, I'll take I'll take off my headphones uh, and I can see you. So just like lift up your hand when you're done. Let, we'll talk I about it you. later, Jordan. Let's just let's let's hang it, pin it. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Uh, Jordan, what have you been playing? Um, so I have also been playing Red Dead Redemption Two, and uh, yeah, I think you know I kind of jumped in and mixed around with you, Jared. Uh, I think that um, I don't have a whole lot new to say. Um, however, I will mention that like Witcher and then, you know, leveling up even further games like Bloodborne or Souls, this is sort of a hardcore game in some senses of the word, and it is going to require more of you than just, uh, petty dabbling, if that's what you're looking for in a game, because I know a lot of people love doing that with GTA, just fucking around. And you could do this with... Red Dead Redemption 2, but I just don't think you'll end up overall enjoying your time spent as much as if uh, you just really sink into this game. Dom, I hate to disappoint you, I have no idea when I'm going to beat this story, man. I mean, you're going to be pooping your pants, you know, 
in two years when I finally beat this story. I'm just saying. It's going to take me a long time to play this game, and I think that a lot of people are enjoying it this way. I think it's fucking insane. I was just thinking this the other day. <clears throat> that probably a week to ten days after release, I was watching on the internet, and there were no spoiler casts they were that I was seeing from the regular channels that I'm, you know, and these are the big guys in gaming, so, like, I do not see spoiler casts, I do not see, like, you know, of course the guy that reviewed it for the site or whatever, but most people are really not rushing through this game. I mean, you know, people beat Spider-Man the second day it came out or whatever. That's yeah, fine holy shit. if you want to play games like that, but I just love the fact that really, generally, everyone seems to be taking this game slow because... They kind of got into it, hopefully, and realized that uh, Rockstar was like, hey, guys, like, fucking come with us on this ride and just, like, hang out. Don't even worry about getting to the getting to the destination. You know, let's go on this journey and just have fun. So I'm really enjoying that. And <clears throat> um, I'll just also say on the Red Dead note that I think the whole outlaw thing, I wish that, you know, there were more games where you truly actually were being a bad guy not this whole like kill the person or don't kill the person decision and you go down the paragon or renegade path i mean those are cool but they are in today's uh, gaming world antiquated it was antiquated when infamous second son did it in 2014 and so um i do think that this is a more nuanced system in that sense and i'm really appreciating that and also appreciating the fact that i don't have to be you know the boy scout and blue type of good guy that i am in so many video games <clears throat> especially of this kind so uh yeah just uh appreciating this game more and more as time passes and i sink further into it so uh there's that and uh, real quick to your point so i'm playing it as the yeah. as the boy scout um that being uh, said really? though that being said though it's not clear it's not always clear what the right decision is in a situation which i love and good, yeah being an outlaw, you're gonna be. You can be a good person as an outlaw, but there's still gonna be some like shitty stuff you have to do. Just to, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that, Jared. I love that. I think one of the themes that they are pushing, overarching themes in this game, is just because you're a person who does bad things, does that mean you're a bad person? Or you could change up words. Just because you're a person who does shitty. Or fucked up things are you a shitty or fucked up person just plain and simple you know or is it a more mixed and nuanced like yeah we stole from this guy but then this pregnant lady was trying to like she needed groceries we f fixed her up you know shit is mixed in there and i like that gray area that they're playing with yeah i i really enjoyed too that's all i, I just wanted to add that <clears throat> Have so you... yeah um sorry i was just gonna say did you play anything else yeah, so I really didn't touch my Switch this week. Um, thought about Valkyria and stuff like that, but I, like I said, I, just, I really didn't uh, mess with it and um, didn't hop to any of my other consoles, really. So um, it's funny because like I know I'm going to get back to Bra Bravely Default at some point, but basically I just keep it charging on my, uh, my 3DS charging on this table uh, near my chair and just like open it up and then uh, I'm basically just upgrading my hometown uh, so that I can it allows me to buy better items in the shops as I go throughout my adventure and so I'm just like sitting here 
they want you to kind of do like this street pass, possibly even microtransaction-y type of deal where you could pay for more workers or get more workers through street pass or something. I don't fucking know. But they give you one worker to start with. And so if you're doing one worker, then to upgrade this one shop, it's like 48 fucking hours or something. But I'm like, well, I'm just, I'll get to the game when I get to the game. So 48 hours is nothing to me. And so I just like save it as I go along. And um, so there's that. Um, I think I mentioned finishing uh, some of the series uh, that I had been talking about. Um, I did want to bring up uh, Channel Zero Season 4. It was like a Halloween event where they did uh, six episode. They do six episode seasons twice a year, and there's now four seasons. <clears throat> so there's uh, 24 episodes, I guess. And uh, it's a cool, you know, like they're kind of loosely adapting these uh, creepypastas from the internet. And it's definitely a great horror show, which there are still, unfortunately, a, a bit of a, a um, shortage of, even though I will say Netflix especially this season brought it through hard. Um, but this was uh, another solid season. I do think they kind of, they've been falling apart uh, in the end, which kind of sucks. But, you know, they're, of course, really cool concepts in the beginning because they're from interesting creepypastas that people already know and love but uh yeah it's another solid season i would say and uh you know i love that uh all killer no filler type of stuff with only six episodes so uh um and then just quick shout out i wanted to say uh jumped started to jump back into the indiana jones movies kind of like i was doing with like back to the future and stuff and watch raiders of the lost ark fucking great movie man and uh then going into temple of doom i really haven't I can't even necessarily say that I've seen the other ones in, other than one and four, unfortunately. So, yeah. Never uh, seen any of them. Me neither. Two things... Oh, goodness me. Uh, two things I want to point out. One, I just realized that I don't think I like Harrison Ford as an actor. Just period. Um, God damn. Whoa! And it's not like Whoa. a... It's not like a... Like, I'm, I don't hate him or anything. I just kind of... I think I realized that I just don't like his, his acting style. Like, personally. I don't like Han Solo, really. Not the character, but like him playing Han Solo. That's why. Oh my God, Jared! I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want you to know that I'm bottling a lot of stuff up right now because you're just like throwing daggers. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just gotta let it go. I just gotta let it happen. I'm it's just, fine. There's there's gonna, people. I'm not there. gonna try to derail this. There's people who hate Jack Black for some reason. I'm like, I love Jack Black. Um, the yeah. other thing I want to point out is you you saying creepy pasta reminded me of my friend who was like. What's the name of that thing you go to, like, to read weird theories about stuff that happened? He's all Ryan Spaghetti. <laughs> Instead of Creepypasta, he thought it was fuck. called Ryan Spaghetti. <laughs> Rotten Spaghetti. I thought it was really funny. Natural variation. Yeah. It'd be of funny if, uh, like, the staff members at Rotten Tomatoes were doing their own Creepypastas on the site and just had their, <laughs> their own little Rotten, Rotten spaghetti. spaghetti. Yeah. That'd be funny. Oh man, I just oh, that was so funny. I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Like creepy pasta, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's what it is." Um, is that everything, Jordan? Everything you uh, played and watched? Yeah, you know, I'll say this: I go through stages, you know, where I'm watching plenty of anime. Like I'm keeping up on stuff or whatever. Keeping up on Walking Dead, though I was behind for some reason. Don't even know how. But um, then I'll just go through times where I'm like, and during my free time, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just like enjoy podcasts there are stuff that i need to catch up on 
you know, Huber syndrome. He was doing like these longer form ones for a little while, just a little bit back. So, yeah, man, it's weird how like sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to get through Haunted of Hill House or Daredevil or, you know, whatever anime series I'm going with at that point. And then sometimes I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to watch podcasts and like chill out, maybe listen to music where I'm not as actively, you know, trying to like go episode by episode with these shows. Yeah, uh, you speaking about being behind on Walking Dead, so a, about a season and a half ago, I have about four or five friends who love The Walking Dead, or at least love The Walking Dead, and I was the one in the group that was like, wow, this show's getting really bad, it's pretty bad, right? It was around the time oh, we started yeah. the podcast, and they're like, no, no, you're just being a hater, it's, it's still good, it's still good. As of, like, last week... Me and only one other person still watched The Walking Dead, and I was the one that, like, didn't watch for, like, a whole season. Dude, I'm telling you, it's one of those shows where it's weird that I'm just still with it at this point, but, you know. I think it's my love of the comic that has come through now that the show's gotten so bad and I did start reading the comic. I think mine's a spite. I think mine's just a spiteful relationship of me feeling like I've invested so much that I want to see the payoff. You know what I mean? And that's what I was going to say, like, to anybody who's, you know, not gotten into the show yet go just like i say go with weeds season one through three and that shit is fucking dope yeah weeds dope um and then walking dead seasons one through fucking five and you're out and that's a good ass fucking show man yeah there's certain shows like if i could know that going into it it's like walking dead one through five you're in and you're out and like there's gonna be yeah it's 16 episode seasons uh, because it was kind of, you know, AMC during that uh, time when it came about. But it's going to be a lot of good shit. Mostly not this fucked up that we... Well, this crap that we've been getting since the start of season six. I would we say... Just, like, really got into the Alexandria stuff. I, I would say the first five seasons feel like ten seasons, but in a good way. We're, like, at that, that mid-season finale going into the, the mid-season premiere... They tend to feel like yeah. two different seasons, you know what I mean, because of the narrative through yeah, lines. Yeah, for the better, for the better, for the better. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, I think season five was Terminus, and after that's what I'm saying is like after Terminus, run away. Yeah, I mean, I would say, so, yeah. man, this latest episode, episode five, I think has a lot of really great callbacks. If you've been a fan who's who have stuck around for as long as you have, yeah, there's some really I just cool parallels. If you're still in it, there's good episodes happening right now. But I can't necessarily say, yeah, dude, like season six through eight is worth the slog because those aren't ten episode seasons; those aren't eight episodes. Yeah. So, oh shit, I'm sorry, but I have to, I have to give a shout out to one more thing. I'll be quick. <laughs> okay, House of Fucking Cards final season. Eight episodes. Uh-huh. That shit was fucking good, man. Even without Kevin Spacey, Robin Wright was killing it. You know, lots of different people on that show were killing it. I think that um, they were lucky the way that they ended season five without even knowing that this was the situation. And I found out that they had actually filmed some of the episodes of this season with Kevin Spacey before, you know, this whole thing yeah. came about with him, which is crazy. But anyways, uh, Greg Kinnear and Diane Lane, the new characters, are great. You know, there's there's bumps in the road, and there is some times where it's like, you know, only eight episodes compared to the longer, earlier seasons. It does kind of feel like packed in a little bit, but for the most part, I was very pleased with how they were able to recover the show and end it properly, so um, just big shout out to them. The first season is great. It's one of my favorite seasons of television. I really feel no need personally to go watch the rest of the seasons. 
I just love that first season of House of Cards. It's so good. Um, yep. And that's one of those things, too, of, like, for me, somebody who didn't keep up with the show season to season, I don't really feel it's necessary going through the slog of that to see the, the resolution. You know what I mean? Kind of like the same I thing with Walking say, Dead. You might be on point, Jared, because this is a David Fincher executive produced show and kind of created uh, with him. And it obviously even, you know, to the end of season six has those vibes of David Fincher. But obviously he's he's off, you know, doing his films. Yeah. Um, so he only did, you know, directed a few episodes, probably helped write a few episodes really in that first season. So you really got like the David Fincher touch and like the most David Fincher-esque uh, version of kind of, you know, a TV show like this. So Yeah. Let's hop into the news. So the first bit of news we have is some interesting sales numbers updates. So last week we talked about Red Dead and we talked about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I think, were the two games, maybe something else. Um, but we have some new updates in terms of sales. So Forza Horizon 4, life to date has outsold Assassin's Creed Odyssey at retail in the UK. It's really surprising. Wow. Forza Horizon 4 is a console exclusive. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is not. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is considered one of the biggest franchises in terms of video games, at least in the Western world. I don't know how Assassin's Creed sells in Japan, um, but yeah, it's really crazy. This is kind of like the perfect storm for Forza Horizon 4, considering it takes place in the UK. Um, you know, British gamers tend to buy racing games at a pretty high rate, so... Um, it's just interesting considering Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a multi-plot game that's known to sell so well. But it is good news for Xbox showing that Forza Horizon 4 is selling very well for them. Um, Watch. I'm telling you, man, this might not even sound like that big of a deal. PlayStation, you better watch your ass in Europe, man, because the reason that PlayStation has had a grip on Europe for so long has been the Gran Turismo games and if they're hopping onto this Xbox Forza bandwagon like it seems like they are here in this situation dude you do not want to concede fucking Europe just don't don't let that happen man well the cool thing is Forza Horizon 4 is developed by Playground which is a UK based developer too yeah so yeah. it's really cool um, then other sales numbers just as crazy if not more in its first 8 days Red Dead Redemption 2 managed to sell a staggering 17 million copies worldwide. Damn. This means that it sold more in eight days than Red Dead Redemption sold in eight years. 17 million copies. My God. And let me just say, like, if another studio that was already pretty popular made a cowboy game this fucking good, it would not sell nearly as much. This no. is... This is a GTA studio rock star bump, is what this is. I think the it deserves. It is worth the attention. It is worth the the sales because it is that fucking good. But like, why are seventeen million people bought the fucking cowboy game over the weekend, but they couldn't get them to buy the Star Wars Battlefront two back in the day? Like, what? That's crazy, man. Well, I think too. I think one other person that could contend and it wouldn't be a straight one-to-one -one comparison in terms of the type of game is if there was a new fallout game that was western inspired um i think that could contend and sell a lot because fallout like bethesda's fallout games sell a ton um but i do agree with you like a straight up western game like this it'd be hard to find another studio that could compete that would sell this many copies 
You know yeah, I, mean? I think that Bethesda would be second on that list, but still not even close to this level, obviously, because, you know, 17 million, what, in how long was that? Uh, eight days. No fucking way. That's, that's absurd. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's Call that of Duty the, numbers. That is, <laughs> yeah, that's the rock star fucking name being out there. People know that these are the GTA guys. And that well, was in October, too, man. They they released earlier. Like, we haven't even hit Thanksgiving and December Man. Wait for fucking Black Christmas Friday on this bitch. and like, Christmas. Yeah. Oof. yeah, and then they re-release it. Like, whoa! Oh <laughs> man, when it comes to next, everyone year, buys it again. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine how. Cr- uh, I don't even want to think about it. It's, it's going to be insane. Um, the other thing that I want to touch on here, we mentioned Call of Duty, is that for um, the month of October, uh, Call of Duty outsold uh, Red Dead on PlayStation Four, which isn't too surprising because Call of Duty had been out, I think, like ten days longer. Um, but Red Dead Redemption 2's marketing is all done on PlayStation 4. So Call of Duty outselling uh, Red Dead uh, in October, it leads you to believe that Call of Duty will probably still be the best-selling game of the year, but who knows. Like you said, it came out towards the end of the month, so, I mean, it was, what, five days to, uh, like, 15, 16, something like that? So who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see what end up, ends up happening, but that bet you have with Blessing is... Getting a little spicy there to see what happens. By the yeah, end of the year. I'm still alive. Yeah, I was discouraged when I first saw <laughs> that 17 mil number, but yeah, then your your little news piece there gave me gave me some hope back. Especially Call of Duty, I think at least for the next few months should have. I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just speaking ignorantly. Should have better legs because of uh, the popularity of the the battle royale mode, and that's kind of something that. I would think you know people are watching that streaming and Red stuff Dead and online, like baby. And that feed Red sales. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. But at least Red Dead Online is like I don't know when it's coming. Is it like this year? Uh, when's what coming? Oh, the online it comes at the end of this month. Yeah, November. Oh, okay. Shit. Shoot. Damn. So Let's here's see. the thing too, from my own personal experience with my friend group, is that the people who are gonna buy Call of Duty tend to buy it like near the launch. Whereas with mm. Red Dead 2 and with uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, what happened is some people bought it and then they heard other people having so much fun with it they're like, hell yeah. And we've kind of seen that happen considering GTA 5 is still in the MPD top you know, 15, 10 every month since 2013. So I, who's to say if Red Dead is going to outsell it for this year with the short amount of months? But we could see Red Dead having a longer tail than call of duty but then again call of duty sells like crazy forever it's going to be an interesting battle for i think the next calendar calendar year to the next just 12 months period to see what happens um yeah we're gonna get into this this is a very weird story but i wanted to talk about it because this isn't something we normally see happen so ubisoft is censoring rainbow six siege this is uh from gameindustry.biz by rebecca valentine um, which is interesting. That's one of the first towns you uh, run into in Red Dead Redemption 2, which is pretty cool. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Ubisoft, Ubisoft recently announced a bevy of cosmetic changes coming to Rainbow Six Siege in preparation for the game's upcoming launch in Asian territories. These changes will be seen in every version of the game in order to maintain, maintain global consistency. Specific changes include the removal of skulls, gambling references, sexual content, and environmental blood to conform to content regulations in different countries. Some icons will be changed as well, including the melee icon, transforming it from a knife to a fist. Ubisoft reassures players that the changes will not affect gameplay whatsoever and will only be aesthetic. 
Now, obviously, the argument here is that, A, why are you changing it for global consistency when everyone has different values in terms of the content they want to see in games? And B, it's a little weird that you're removing environmental blood from a game that's predicated on you shooting other people with bullets. You change an well, image. Also stopping terrorist attacks. Exactly. Yeah. Changing an image from a knife to a fist in a game where you're shooting people with guns. Hey, man, give that... Give that terrorist a good old swing uh, right in the left hook, right in the jaw. Well, and the funny thing is, I, I think, think I think everybody that is upset about this understands why they're doing it for the Asian territories. I think the frustration comes down to the global consistency thing. Because yeah. Ubisoft is exchanging ease of update for, um, I guess, personal happiness with each territory. Because if you have global consistency, that means it makes their job easier, right? They don't have to worry about six different versions of the game. But people are saying, well, we want at least a different version. Like, this doesn't make sense why we're getting censored. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's yep. very weird. Um, really? I, I just want to hear what to you guys me, have to say. It could be kind of two different versions of the game. You have one where you're able to toggle that stuff, and you have one where it's automatically turned off. Yeah. That doesn't sound that fucking hard to me. Because in the Assassin's Creed games, Ubisoft, you guys let me turn blood off, which is also fucking dumb. A lot of games do that with blood. Assassin's Creed with a hidden blade, and it's like, oh, you stabbed him in the neck, but he's just not bleeding. So he's okay. (laughs) Don't worry. He's just sleeping now. Now that you've touched the feather to his non-bloody neck, he's just sleeping. Um, Which, hey, shout out to those scenes of the assassinations where you, like, confirm the kill in uh, AC Origins. Those are actually really fucking cool and, like, way trippy. You know what I'm talking about, Jared, where it's like you go into Animus World and you're just talking to the guy that you already murdered. I don't get it, but... It reminds um, me of early Assassin's Creed when, like, you would assassinate somebody and kind of the world would get clouded around you. And you'd be having a specific conversation. they've done it throughout the game. And this is that on, like, Acid. It's like you're going to this different realm. It's really cool, yeah. It's really weird, but uh, anyways, back to the whole Ubisoft Rainbow Six Siege thing, I think that, um, I gotta say, this is very worrisome to me, this is along the line of, you know, this is why they go to China in the Transformers movies. Yep. These bigger markets are influencing our media in ways that I'm not personally comfortable with, because some it's censorship, some it's like dumbing it down because they have different interests than us and they haven't been watching the same movies and the transformation of film over the past so many years because they, for I'm talking about China for example, Yeah, they're, they're like a communist country that only allows so many let's say American or western films in every year and so um, you know, trans, big goofy Transformers movies are the motherfucking shit to them because they don't know about like really really good shit that we've been watching all these years that has a little more substance i think and that apparently is coming through here as well where it's just like there's more nuance yeah it's a fucking game about terrorists where you're acting like you're not actually killing anybody or not actually you know drawing blood or something so it's it's goofy and dumb and and in some ways it is scary because obviously Australia could never have this much influence, but trust me guys, we do not want to be adhering to the Australian entertainment gaming laws because the way they censor games for Australia is fucking bonkers, dude. It's like they don't have any adults in the company apparently, or not the company, the country. The government thinks that they're like, "Uh, you can't play zombie games like that. It'll be too scary for you. (laughs) 
it's just weird because it comes down to resources, and Ubisoft can't argue that they don't have the resources to maintain different versions of the game. They've, they open 2,000 studios every, <laughs> every year. Every year, yeah. It's just, it sucks that there's fi- there's finally a black eye on Rainbow Six Siege and Ubisoft in general because they've been doing so good for so long with keeping these games and having them have a long life. Like, For Honor still has one of the highest player bases, which is crazy because no one ever talks about that game. Or, you know, Wildlands and all the... It just sucks that there's finally something that's like, why? You know what I mean? It was bound to happen. It's just a very weird decision. Um, because it is such a violent game... <clears throat> You know what I mean? It's just weird. It's very weird. Uh, I, I think. I mean, I'm gonna. This is this is fucking dumb. Like, and it really pisses me off. I, yeah, it's a resource thing, but like, it, I don't care. This is dumb, and it's. I, I hate censorship more than a, a lot of things. Probably more than most people. Yeah. So it freaks me out that it's gotten to the point where like it's at least by their estimates more financially viable to just give in to the censorship. You know what I mean? And now, now we're all subject to it. I don't play this game, so I don't. You know, it doesn't affect me. But this is something I think that's worth like calling them out on. Like that's dumb. It's worth it for you to make different versions Here's, if that's if you want to make money over there. Give, and I just like, give people I don't the want choice. This kind of thing to continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, the toggle thing, but also this whole global consistency bullshit. The global uh, direction is moving, and things being less sensor- like. You know, think of all. Just talk about TV shows that people are are so into. They're getting less censored. I was actually, mm-hmm. you know, talking about Channel Zero, dude. Especially as we stream more. Yeah. I swear to fucking god, other than actual t- dick and balls or nipples, <laughs> you see pornography on TV. They're fucking hard. Like Channel Zero, they were fucking the shit out of each other, bent <laughs> over a table. And you and she had a bra on, and you didn't see his dick, and that was it. But other than that, that's fucking porn. Yeah. And they have. I remember watching Heroes back in the day, and Hayden Panettiere. There's this like vision scene, and Hayden Panettiere's head gets dragged across the hallway, bloody trail leaking yes. out afterwards. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I think I this that. stuff. That's that was uh, NBC ten years ago. You I just know, wanna... this stuff is getting more and more graphic and and. You know they're less worried about saying fuck and and just showing people fucking apparently, and especially when it's completely uncensored, like Netflix and HBO, which are very popular platforms that are doing these original content. These are the shows that people are talking about, and what China's going to be watching House of Cards, but not any of the fucking parts. And no, no, no. Let me none of the stabbing, none of the stabbing in Game of Thrones when they go on HBO. Or let me clarify. Let me clarify. When they're talking about global consistency, they're not talking about making sure it appeals to everybody. It's global consistency in relation to the version of the game they're putting out. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a little bit different there. So basically, they want global consistency in terms of we released the, literally the same game in every market, so we don't have to worry about updating three different versions of the game because if they make a map adjustment right. then they have to do it in multiple different versions so it's not necessarily sure. global consistency and like everyone needs a, I, mean, I don't know how I would specifically what I'm saying is it should be one version of the game and if China or who the fuck ever can't Australia just you know p- pisses themselves over fucking blood and gore or sex or whatever then they don't have to sell it in their country and that yeah 
I get that that's they're gonna lose profits or whatever, but like China just started l- allowing consoles in the last like two or three years. Yeah. So I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like it's a ridiculous situation. Yeah. My, I I I don't disagree with you, but for me it'd be a different solution in that I think there should be two versions of the game, one for Asian territories, one for everyone else, and deal with having to update two games. You're Ubisoft. You have the resources. Like to say you don't. I, 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 you know what I mean? Like you said, they open 200 yeah, studios you know every year. Like, I don't... I hope all the I hope all the MAGA bros over here, you know, fucking boycott this shit, just to make a point. And maybe they did something good for once. They're not playing Rainbow Six Siege. It's a they're weird playing, statement. They're playing PUBG. That was, that was an interesting statement. This is one of the weirdest things I'll ever say. Yeah. Like, uh, like you had some form of rage just hiding in you. You're like, I kind of <laughs> like this on fire! Like, Yves Gilmo has to say something about this eventually. You know what I mean? It's frustrating. Anyways, yeah, speaking dumb. of people who lead companies, we got a couple of uh, directors leaving their positions. One that seems on not so great of terms, and the other one that just is, I think, is positive for the franchise and the person. So we're going to get in bo- into both of these. The first one is from IGN by Brian Bankhurst. Tabata resigns. Most Final Fantasy 15 DLC canceled. So as of October 31st, 2018, shout out to Halloween, uh... Hajime Tabata has resigned from Luminous Productions, which is a studio he started about, I think, like four years ago or something like that, um, at Square Enix, and also has resigned from Square Enix, uh, the Square Enix group itself. This was announced during a special Final Fantasy XV presentation, where it was also revealed that three of the up, uh, the four upcoming pieces of DLC were canceled. Um, a special presentation, huh? Yeah. For reference, Tabata took over Final Fantasy XV in 2013 when Tetsuya Nomura shifted over to focus on Kingdom Hearts 3. Prior to Final Fantasy XV, Tabata directed Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII, and Final Fantasy Type-0. And he's been at Square Enix for a while. Um, episode Arden, which is the one of the four DLC that's going to be released, is going to be coming out March of 2019. And the other three, that being Episode Noctis, Episode uh, Arania, and Episode Luna Freya, which I think is a pretty cool name, are now officially canceled. Um, yeah, it's very weird which for me personally. It's a pretty cool name. Uh, it is Luna Freya, Luna Moon, and then no, Freya. No, the way you said that. Which, yeah. by the way, that's a dope ass name. Yeah. By the is. way. Um, Personally, my take on this is I think it's positive considering the trouble Final Fantasy has been in for what seems like the better part of my life, of them just not being able to release games in a timely manner, them not understanding AAA game development in the modern era. Um, I just think that changing as much leadership as you can there will be better for the franchise. Um, Those who don't know, Tabata is actually the person at Square Enix who was saying that he wanted them to release a game he wanted the model where you release a ton of DLC and even the games you just release them episodically. Like he was the one that felt that yeah. you didn't need to release a whole game uh, anymore, which is evident by Final Fantasy 15. Ah, easy jab. Um, yeah, it just I think it's yeah, better. I mean, he's kind of getting shit on in this situation, but he can't save the game. You know, he kind of got it exactly. Fucking go after all this time. I want to know what you guys think about the situation, and also how weird is that that the director stepping down, Tabata stepping down means that the DLC is cancelled because, you know, they could bring in somebody else to finish the DLC. They have been working on it. What do you think them cancelling that DLC means um, for Square Enix and Final Fantasy as well? My guess, uh, he was really pushing this DLC and wanted it to happen, and they weren't into it. Probably yeah. financially, they it just probably wasn't projected to make enough money, and 
you know what i mean so that that's why i think they scrapped the idea ultimately we're like like okay like he's gone but at least we don't have to do this dlc anymore and he had different ideas and want probably gotta go do his own thing and make a studio or whatever else he's gonna do mm-hmm. but um i think that's probably what it is with the dlc like you guys already mentioned he was always on this you know episodic idea and probably i'm guessing he wanted this dlc to happen as in a certain way and it's so long after the fact and maybe they wanted him to start making final fantasy 16 and he's just like no nah, no nah, whatever yeah that's my guess yeah we we don't know what happened and why he resigned but that's actually a good point is maybe they wanted them to already start working on final fantasy 16 and he's like no right. i have this idea i wanted to really see these episodic pieces of dlc yeah what about you jordan what do you think what's your take square make no mistake boys square enix is a hot fucking mess because they've got some cool shit in final fantasy they make cool games and Octopath Traveler's expensive but cool, and there's just there's <laughs> cool shit there. But I'll tell you what, they are a hot fucking mess. What yeah. are they gonna do about this seven remake? You know they're putting out all these games on Switch, but not all the games on Switch. It's so weird, man. You know they still got fourteen going. They were going so fucking hard on fifteen and like two seasons of DLC packs. So imagine they. For Spider-Man, they did the this three-pack thing of The City That Never Sleeps, and then they did a whole other pack, but even more than that, because there's the online stuff, and there's um, like four packs per season, so it's like, I just can't even imagine that if I was a developer, or anyone that worked at Square Enix, or, you know, if I... Now it does seem like this is a finality for this game, so it's like, well, yeah, once this final DLC pack comes out, you could kind of get into it and not have to worry about it changing eight more fucking times before you get to the end of it, because talk about a hot mess, just this game in general, obviously we know the whole story of the hundred year development cycle and it changing from um, being part of this universe with 13 and Type Zero to being its own 15 game and then you have the whole uh, just situation in general where like, Joe, do you remember exactly what it was when it came out and there was one specific t- story chapter that people were tearing 13. apart? And they, or, I think it was 13. Chapter 13, whatever the fuck it was. You, people know what I'm talking about. And it's like, people tore this thing a new asshole and then they're like, alright, well, now that you guys have all beat the story, we just patched it and changed chapter 13 or whatever the fuck it is. And they've been doing things like this all the time. And they've turned it into an extended universe, kind of like they have with Seven, where it's got its own anime stuff. And There's definitely, you know, I've watched videos on this. Some of my YouTubers that I watch have talked about it. They're really passionate about JRPGs and Final Fantasy specifically. And so hearing them say, you know, it's missing these gaps that are in the movies or in the anime or whatever and those need to be explained in the game and there's just like I said man simplest way to put it it's a hot fucking mess I mean can you imagine if Insomniac was like oh yeah you guys didn't like chapter 7 of the story in Spider-Man well now that you guys have all beaten it we just changed it you know what in the fuck this ring this reminds me a lot of Konami where it's you have somebody who's in lead of a game at a Japanese studio and they leave and the game that they were lead on is now incomplete. As good as Metal Gear Solid Five was, yeah. people talk about how that game was incomplete. You know what I mean? So well, it, this game's like been completed, and then they like started. Yeah. And it's almost like they basically did 
Final Fantasy 15-2 with DLC is, is kind of how they were almost doing it. And so it sounds like that was uh, Tabata's plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so after completing it and then basically like restarting it again, you've now less left it in an incomplete state. So that is weird. You want to hear my, you were talking about Square Enix. You want to hear my hot take on Square Enix? Do it. I think, I think that they're, they're so invested in the Marvel license because they understand how well that can pay off. I think, I think that the next Tomb Tomb Raider game we see will not be published or owned by Square Enix. I think they're going to sell off that license. Hitman and shit like that, you know? Yeah. Dude. I know I've talked about how much I'd like to see more collaborations between the East and the West, specifically America and Japan with our entertainment stuff. I know a lot of people, maybe even you guys wouldn't like it, but God, it'd be cool if we could get some stuff where it's like Final Fantasy looking Avengers stuff. Like, Have you seen the, uh, you the, be, the would figures? Would you guys hate that? Yeah, that's okay. So I didn't want to say because people get freaked out. What are these called? There's First four or shit. something. No, 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 no. It's the something Kai. It's the something Kai. And Nomura's designed a bunch of them. And so they, like, have Batman and shit. They have Captain America. They have Spider-Man. And they just look like Final Fantasy versions of themselves. And I think it's really cool. Not as, oh, I want this version as the Batman that's in the Batman comic book by DC. Play Arts Kai. Play Arts Kai. Thank you. And uh, they originally come out as super expensive, detailed figures. But... I think it's cool to have like a anime looking ass Joker or Catwoman or Batman. I, to answer so, your question, I as, would love as alternative versions, not as you know, like the main versions. If six you're like six universe, if you will. Yeah. So if you're like, okay, Avengers game comes out, it's like a Destiny like or whatever it is, but it's a good game, and there's skins yeah. in the game, and some of those skins are those versions. Hell yes, with different no, abilities I'm or saying, whatever. I'm saying like. A Final Fantasy level game, like triple A game. This is maybe down the road a little bit. As long as like as long as a regular fantasy game looking game with that like, you know, pristine, beautiful three D anime characters and they're all it's a world you know, it's about the fucking world tree or the crystal that they gotta save with their four people party and then they do the Avengers like that, that'd be fucking cool. Like just make it I don't know, just make it fucking super anime Japanese can I I'd be down. That? Can I have a Batman Ninja video game for the Avengers? I'd be down with that as long as we got the original type of Avengers stuff first. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Super absolutely. down. Yeah, because we don't have like a Avengers Arkham Universe. We only have the Spider-Man the, uh, Spider-Man game at this point. So yeah, we do need those those uh, you know mainstays. So though Tabata leaving looks like it's good news for Final Fantasy as a franchise, we assume. Um, this one, this this thing that's leaving, I think is, I think it's better all around. So, um, GameIndustry.biz. This is also Rebecca Valentine. Um, shout out to that Red Dead City that I mentioned earlier. Oh my uh, goodness. Uh, Masada it's is a dope name, by the way. Rebecca Valentine. Uh, that's a cool name. And she spells it K A H, which is like a very weird way to spell Rebecca, but that's, it's cool. That's a cool name to spell your name. That's a cool name to spell. It. Uh, so Masada is likely stepping down as Pokemon director. So if you're not familiar. In an interview on the Pokemon's own website, uh, Junichi Masada, who's a longtime series director and composer, me interjecting here, he's also rep- responsible for the Masada method, which is a way of hatching shiny Pokemon in the game. That's like next level oh, nerd Pokemon stuff. Yeah, the Masada method is his. 
Um, he will be stepping away from directing after the release of Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Uh, he said he would like to see the series handed off to a new group of leaders and creators. Um, and this is his exact quote. He went on to say, But at the same time, it's important to have the younger generation at Game Freak take over their development of Pokemon as a series. I do believe this will probably be, in terms of the main Pokemon RPGs, the last time I work as the director. So, this is cool and this is great. You don't really see this a whole lot where this older person understands that his time is done and he wants to see new refreshing takes on the series that he's been working on if you're not familiar the first game that he was a director on was uh silver and gold which is for a lot of people considered the best pokemon games and he's been composing for a very long time most of them like a lot of the pokemon music is pretty iconic like when you hear it it's really great fuck um, yeah dude you're talking about going to valentine and red dead there's so many different little cities and towns and pokemon and you just hear that music when you walk in it's, it's lavender cool. town saddest track ever reminds you completely of that town it's really good in the best way possible um i'm happy about this obviously i think i've kept up with pokemon more than both of you guys um but i know you guys have interest in it for me this is exciting because though i've enjoyed all of the pokemon games there hasn't been a huge evolution, as ironic as that statement is, considering the Pokemon, the world of Pokemon is all about evolution. Um, and I do think that has to do with a lot of the same leadership being in place. And if you have something that's working and it sells the way Pokemon does, you kind of are worried to change stuff because, like, if it's not broken, why fix it? You know what I mean? And I do right. think right. they've been hesitant to evolve and go to new places. And I think with newer leadership, whether that be people who have been waiting in the wings that are super talented or just a younger generation, yeah. like Masada said, I'm really excited for this. And this clarifies and means that Pokemon for Switch is not directed by him, um, which is kind of worrisome, but I think in a good yeah. way, because I do think that lends opportunity towards something refreshing. What do you guys think about that's, this? Well, that's what I want to ask you about, Jared, as our resident Pokemon guy. Um, I have a more love for the classic series, and you have been more uh, just good about you know throughout. Yeah, you know, dedica dedicating time throughout. There's games I've skipped. There's you know, Sun I couldn't necessarily get into. I need those gym battles, man. First of all, I got a couple questions for you. But will there be gym battles? And second of all, this Switch game of you know 2019, not the EV and Pikachu game. The let's go games is it going to be kind of in a sense revolutionary or is it going to just be you know their formula that they've been doing translated onto switch okay so first off i want to say sun and moon were not directed by masada so that's kind of that's probably why there weren't gym battles you know what i mean ah. uh he didn't direct sun and very moon. interesting very interesting and you were cool with there not being gym battles correct uh i want to say cool I was okay <laughs> with... Uh, you were cooler with it than I was. I was almost a hard yeah. out because of that, and I'm glad I wasn't, but I still think it's almost, in a sense, I feel like, you know, it's definitely more a real game than... It's a mainline game. It's not like a Let's Go Eevee or a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, but I'm like, it just doesn't, to me, technically feel like a fucking mainline Pokemon if I'm not, you know, going to all these goddamn gyms and getting these fucking badges, man. So. And that's the interesting thing is because, like, culturally, I think it fits in with Hawaii and the way that culture handles yeah, I things. I did like that. that but in terms, of, in terms of Pokemon, yeah, I agree. Um, one of your questions, will there be gym battles? 
I would bet my life savings, all $10 of it, that there will be gym battles in this next game because wow. this is going to be the first game on a new piece of hardware. This Pokemon game is going to be the one that they released that Nintendo wants to be the console seller. You know what I mean? And I think because of that, they wanted to appeal to people and not having gym battles would alienate a lot of people. Fuck that leads yeah. me into Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, which I think is also alienating a lot of people. Obviously, there's going to be the diehard Pokemon fans that are blind with rage, and though they don't like anything about it, they're going to buy it anyways. I'm not that type of person. I am not buying Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. To answer your question, I don't think this is uh, revolutionary or something that we could see go into new games. I think Let's Go is going to be its own sub-franchise, uh, um, kind of like the Mystery right. Dungeon games and stuff like that. And this game is pretty much a step back. Um, because it has so sure, many sure, of sure. the Pokemon Go mechanics in it that it's watered down in a lot of ways. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't think... But as far as 2019 Pokemon, is that going to be revolutionary, or is that going to be a translation of black and white and sun and moon before? So, if I'm being honest, I think this next game, with Masada's announcement ba barely coming this year, I do think that this next one will be... What we expect it to be, with some minor enhancements, I think the second Pokemon in Game and Switch will be the one where we could possibly be some see something really revolutionary or crazy, right, or game changing. Okay. I don't. So I think you this don't one's. Think this is going to be the motherfucking shit coming up in twenty nineteen. I think it'll have enough improvements to be like, oh, that's cool, but it won't be the like a crazy uh, evolution of the series. Yeah, yeah. definitely Just, worth playing, but you know, maybe Dom won't play it because you're not super into Pokemon, for example, but. It'll be worth it. I think Jared, that sounds that sounds logical. Um, yeah. I think the big thing that the 2019 game will do or enhance is the graphics, right? Like, it'll yeah. be like way more 3D. I don't even I mean, know even how to describe it the than the previous ones. A lot better. Yeah, yeah. So it'll probably look like those, but even more detail. I'm I'm guessing. Yeah. And then I, obviously all the deep mechanics that Pokemon games normally have. And stuff. Honestly, I'm not expecting Deeper. a whole lot from the one next year in terms of like open world or anything crazy like that the one thing that's like my big want more than anything is um difficulty scaling like i really want there to be either difficulty settings or um better scaling in the game to difficulty i think that's one of the biggest crutches for pokemon is that they've never really been difficult that bothers me more than them necessarily evolving to something grander i still want that but i do think Nintendo has to step back in the Pokemon company because obviously Nintendo doesn't really have much to say over this is that they have to realize that their demographic just isn't kids under 15. A lot of people our age buy Pokemon yeah. and I do think it yeah. is in their best interest to have some kind of difficulty setting. Maybe have it set as easy, That's right? That's so weird, man. Have it set like, it... You can make the game harder for yourself but why can't you just choose an option? That's fucking crazy. Because well, they are, they can be very, that is another reason that I don't finish a lot of them, is because it's just so fucking easy a lot of times. If you know, if you're a seasoned, you know, Pokemon trainer, uh, then you just get in the groove and you know how to, like, beat the shit out of people. Well, playing for as long as I do, I know type advantages, so, like, I make sure... Th yeah, that type of stuff, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I don't really do that with the starter, I'm like, what starter do I like the most? And then I base the rest of my team around that, so, like... If I get a fire starter, I know I eventually have to get a water Pokemon to balance right, out my exactly. team and yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, yeah, I do. I think that's the biggest thing for me is I want it to... It can be set to super easy at default, but let me have the option of, like, yeah, yeah. setting it to more difficult. 
Um, and I agree with Dom. I think the biggest step we're going to see in terms of evolution for Pokemon is going to be graphics. I think the camera angle is going to be slightly different. I think it's going to be more over the like more over the head shoulder ish area, like a weird isometric, but a little bit more mm, zoomed in. Yeah. Um, and I do think there's going to be more visual fidelity. Um, so I do think it'll have even more detail than Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Um, yeah, I. I'm excited for next year's game, but I don't think it's the revolution people are expect, expecting or wanting. But Masada stepping down, going back to the news story, I think does put us in that direction, and that's what I'm excited about. That being said, if I'm going to play Devil's Advocate, like we just, like I mentioned earlier, Sun and Moon wasn't directed by him, and that introduced something you didn't like, which was no gym battles. So that's the give and take you get with somebody coming in who hasn't been doing it all the time, is with these new ideas... That doesn't mean they're all going to be ideas you like. And that's the thing we have oh, to yeah. think about is this next game isn't directed by Masada. So it's going to have it's going to have one new thing that's like, whoa, that's crazy. Now, is that going to be good right. or is that going to be alienating? Yep. And that's going to yeah. be the big question. And we'll see. Um, I think that does it for this week's show, episode 119. Let's talk about where we're going to be playing. Pretty easy answer for me, Red Dead. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure the Spiral Reignited trilogy comes out. So that in red dead oh yeah right yeah i can't wait super excited uh real quick apparently playstation classic is reviewing as well as we thought it was it just doesn't have the library to justify the hundred dollar purchase or like whatever it is ninety dollar purchase um yeah such a weird thing to review like each of those games have their own reviews (laughs) that's really what yeah you know yeah, but it's it's like anyway, it's like yeah. it's like reviewing a smartphone though. It's a product you buy, you know what I mean? But I do agree with you. It's like it's a product that has other products that are already reviewed. Yeah. It's very weird. Well, um, like you buy a smartphone and you could review the phone, but then people review individual apps too, you know, so. Yeah, but on a phone you can choose to download good or bad apps. This one is like all of the apps well, are already there no matter what. That does suck. A yeah. smartphone is just yeah. infinitely more variable even in its hardware, right? Where this is yeah. like, yeah, it's a little machine that's going to emulate fuck. these exact... Why don't Why don't it. they just make it cheaper with 10 games that they'll at least have a couple of good ones in there and then just let you buy a decent amount, you know, for how much you're going to Why don't they just pay put... for these, but... Just let you buy, like, have its own little store. You know what's dumb? Why don't they put the memory card slots that are proprietary, listen real quick, and they just sell expansion packs that are on the memory card? And if you want, like, these setting, like, the JRPG expansion. We go on for days about what the fuck they yeah. could do. I mean, there's um, a lot of backwards-ass shit going we'll probably on. Dude, the biggest miss was on the, the Nintendo ones. Like, why not resell those games individually as carts? How cool would that be? Exactly. Expensive, but cool. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm. and so Red Dead and, uh, Spire Reignited Trilogy, that's pretty much it. Um, I started the first episode of Sabrina, but then I had to do something. It's not that I didn't like it, Jordan, um, but I need to get back to watching it. I actually enjoy it as much as I've seen. I was just going to say, I've I've given a lot of shout outs to Netflix this, uh, Halloween season for the stuff that they were putting out, but I will say having, I know it's tough to schedule all this shit. But having uh, Haunting of Hill House earlier on in the month and, you know, being able to come back to it because it is a heavy fucking series, man. Uh, And being able to take a couple days away from it and then come back and finish it before Halloween versus Sabrina coming out, like, just a couple days before Halloween. And I realize it's ten episodes and people love binging stuff, but I also realize that not everyone fucking watches shit that way. And so 
it does kind of lose its luster where it's like, yeah, I watched the first episode before Halloween and I'm not, I love watching horror stuff all year round, but still it's like the vibe. I, I get it. Like to see why wouldn't you just front load this stuff since you are putting out all the episodes at once. I would front load that month and even maybe late September with Halloween stuff. And then leading up to, and even, you know, having a Halloween party with some nerdy friends who want to watch that show on the 31st or something like that. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Real quick. It's, it's weird type of appeal thing there. We're going really long. So real quick, the other thing, uh, Overlord comes out uh, this weekend, which is the, Ah, the JJ Abrams produced uh, Nazi zombie movie. Um, Yeah. It's pretty much. Where is that coming out? Netflix. Gotcha. Comes out tomorrow, the 9th, the day we're recording right, is 8th. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys? So it'll, be, it'll be out this evening at midnight. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think they do Eastern time, or it's 1 a.m. I don't fucking know. Sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> no problem. What are you guys going to be playing? Hyper Light Drifter. So, Hell yeah. Hyper yeah, Light there we Drifter. Go, Dom. Call of Duty Black Ops 3. You know, Camp- hey, if you guys campaign. want some extra credit, oh, wow. get out there and watch the uh, Indiana Jones trilogy. <laughs> No, not gonna do that. This is oh my god! It's like I think Harrison Ford is a shitty actor, and I don't want to watch Indiana Jones. And I'm the I I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. Like most people would be on this podcast. Like what? Dom's not saying he doesn't like Harrison Ford. He just doesn't want to watch Indiana Jones. I'm the one. No, but I know it's like I don't know, dude. Raiders. Okay, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Dom, the original film. Is a I'm not gonna watch it. Movie. I'm not gonna watch it. Movie. I'm not gonna watch Titans. I'm not gonna do it. What are you gonna do, Jordan? I'm going to cry because you're just slashing me to pieces here. Um, I am going to uh, continue watching Titans, Tom, because I think that Starfire is fucking dope in that show, and I like that part. So I'm gonna watch it for that. And uh, just because I really like DC stuff in general and I'm cool with different takes. Um, and I think I'm also going to watch the rest of the Indiana Jones trilogy. Uh, and then I guess I'm going to rewatch the fourth one. Uh, but the original trilogy is truly uh, masterpiece filmmaking. Uh, if nothing else, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a fantastic film. And so. Uh, I'm enjoying that, and uh, I've started Temple of Doom is the second one, uh, but haven't finished it. It's definitely not on the level of Raiders, and it is a lot goofier so far, some kind of campy stuff, but uh, it's cool shit, and it is definitely uh, pulpy, and I am enjoying uh, kind of looking at it from the perspective of like... uh, roots of uncharted or even tomb raider type stuff but especially a lot of uncharted stuff is in here um so there's that Uh, as far as playing stuff i'll certainly be playing more red dead i kind of mentioned earlier i've got some switch games i'd like to be playing um but you know also kind of mentioned earlier that red dead is is one that kind of uh, really absorbs a very absorbing game, so um, I do kind of like playing that with a focus sometimes, not hopping around as much as I usually do. Um, so, yeah, I think that's about it. Awesome. It's going to be a good week for all of us. I can't wait to hop into Red Dead again, man. That game is 
so much to intake. So now you're now you're in, even though you've got definitely uh, your list of complaints. You're you're still just settling in and enjoying it. Yeah, it's very like I said earlier. It's very interesting to me because I, I'm not 100 percent sold on it being like game of the year for me or it being my favorite game or right. whatever. But right. I'm I'm interested to see where the path takes me. Um, yeah, that's it for episode 119. We'll be back next week with episode 120. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the like button. Smash that notification bell. I, God. Every bell, time I say bell. that, I think Gotta of like those annoying YouTubers. Oh, it's awful. Um, anyways, if you can, please follow us on iTunes as well. Rate us. It definitely helps the show. You can find us on Twitter at CTRL, C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's controlled interest abbreviated. Slowing myself down. You can find me at Jared underscore. You can find Jordan Relax, at Relax, Mel- Jared. You can find Jordan at Melamotus, and you can find Dom at Dom's Oreos. Uh, that's pretty much it, guys. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye.